Welcome to Bridging Chicago, a podcast that aims to connect our listeners to Chicago's business, community, cultural, and charity leaders. Brought to you by the SATC Solutions Center. You can connect with us on Instagram or Twitter where our handle is at Bridging Chicago. For more information, including our email, visit us online at satcsolutions.com. Be sure to rate and subscribe to Bridging Chicago on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to this podcast. Hello and welcome to another edition of Bridging Chicago podcast. My name is Joe Amari. Uh, I am a law clerk at SATC Law, and I am here today with the Museum of Contemporary Photography uh, at Columbia College Chicago. And I'm grateful to be joined by Karen Irvine, the Deputy Director and Chief Curator and Natasha Egan, the executive director. Uh, how are you doing today? Good, thanks. Great, thank you. The Columbia College Chicago Museum of Contemporary Photography uh, currently is hosting the American Epidemic Guns in the United States display until uh, February of 2022. Karen, I'm going to start with you. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about your background in photography? Sure. Well, I was actually trained as a photographer. I have an MFA in photography. So originally I thought I was going to be an artist. Um, But soon after I graduated, I started volunteering at the museum and realized that it was a really fun place to work. And I've always been really interested in photography and interested in thinking about it and writing about it. Um, So I then ended up pursuing a curatorial track. Oh, that's awesome. Where did you do your master's in fine arts? I have my MFA from FAMU in Prague. It's the Film Academy, part of Charles University in the Czech Republic. Oh, wow. Are you from Chicago originally? I am. Um, I wasn't born here, but I did grow up in Evanston. So Chicago is my hometown. I I haven't spent my whole life here. Um, I went away for undergrad and grad school and then a little bit after that. But I came back a little over 20 years ago. Um, And so, yeah, I'm from Chicago. Okay, that's amazing. And Natasha, tell us a little bit about your background with the museum. Um, So I I joined the museum in uh, 1995, actually, as a graduate student. I I was pursuing my MFA in photography um, and a master's in museum studies um, here at Columbia College Chicago and began working at the museum as part of, um, I was actually the director's um, assistant at the time in 1995, and then worked very closely on all of the exhibitions, and then um, started to curate my own exhibitions, and then was a curator, and then I've been the executive director um, of the museum for the last 10 years. Oh, wow. Okay. So we have a lot of history with the museum here. So you guys are currently hosting uh, an exhibit called American Epidemic Guns in the United States. Uh, Karen, you curated this uh, exhibit, correct? Yes, that's right. Could you tell us a little bit about how you uh, brought the art together? Sure. Well, um, you know, the gun violence problem in our country is so urgent. Um, and so extreme that it was a topic I had wanted to work on for a long time. Um, It is something that 
obviously afflicts our city um, in a major way, but also our country. And the United States is very much kind of an anomaly worldwide in terms of gun ownership. Um, There are far more guns per capita in this country than any other country on earth. And there is a relationship between the number of guns owned and the number of deaths and injuries by gun. Um, We have very much a justice mission at the museum and a really strong track record, I think, of addressing some of the most urgent issues of our time. Um, So I... Yeah, this was just a topic that was on the list for a long time. Um, it's not an easy one. It's not. Um, it's a very complicated issue with a long history that requires a lot of context. Um, and many of the artists, all of the artists in the show, in fact, are very much coming from an activist point of view, um, looking at some of the costs um, of the rampant gun ownership in the United States. It must be uh, somewhat enlightening to meet with different activists from, you know, anti-gun groups, I'm assuming, and, you know, learn about their stories. Is there anyone in particular that shed some light on anything you weren't aware of previously? Oh, my gosh. All of them did really in their own way. And, you know, most of the artists in the show are really working from a personal perspective. Um, So a lot of the work is actually very heartbreaking um, and personal. But it's also quite beautiful, and it's, I would say, it's appeal to humanity, to be honest. Um, I learned so much through this project, um, and mostly what I came away with was um, the sense that in order to make progress on this issue really requires kind of a deep understanding of both sides of the equation. Um the show itself, I would say, is very anti-gun ownership and pro-gun legislation and control. Um, but there is one artist who also explores the kind of long history um, and how the attachment that a lot of Americans have to guns. And through my research, I realized that became important because most gun control experts say that until we understand both sides of the equation, we'll never make progress on gun legislation. So this show is very much meant to um, illuminate the consequences of literally the number of guns that are, you know, in our country, um, but, and to, you know, provide kind of more awareness around that, but also to spark dialogue. And then of course, the ultimate hope is that, maybe somewhere along the line, it leads to action. Absolutely. And, you know, as you said, it it is an anomaly in the world. You don't see the same type of headlines coming from other places that you do domestically. And so it's made me think oftentimes, why is, why is it such a pervasive issue? And I think to your point, the seeing it from both sides, I think in any discourse, but especially something that's as contentious as this, uh, looking at it and trying to find some middle ground before trying to make such sweeping change might be incredibly important. I think art is a great way to do that. Art can bring so many people together. Yeah. I, I think that artists bring topics to the table in different ways than we get from other mediums. Um, I think that they often are very nuanced in their approach and, um, address things in a way that isn't perhaps as sensational as traditional journalism might be, 
um, isn't perhaps as skewed or biased as some uh, histories might be. Absolutely. I, I remember I saw, and I think the visual arts especially can be striking without, you know, uh, a narrative being painted. Instead, the narrative is coming from the image. I remember I once saw this picture that really moved me. It was of uh, a picture of a nice restaurant and a couple eating dinner. And just underneath was a picture of a man who was homeless and laying in the street. It kind of showed the, you know, disparity that lies within plain sight oftentimes that we kind of overlook. So I think in that way, photography especially can say so much without using words at all. So that's, I completely understand with the visual arts. Natasha, have you had any exhibits that have spoken to you in that way that you feel have uh, spoken on important issues of our time? Um, yes, I, I think most of the exhibitions that we host here, um, you know, we are the Museum of Contemporary Photography and we are working with artists who are sometimes um, emerging artists who are uh, as well as well-established artists. But I would say that the artists that we're working with are all grappling, you know, with what's happening um, in front of them, uh, which is issues that are happening in society um, everywhere. So we have done um, exhibitions about about war, about uh, issues of racism, identity, uh, immigration, refugee crisis, um, and we we all what we do is we tend to. Uh, focus on the term kind of contemporary photography. And it, and what I mean by that is working with artists who are, are artists who work with photography and will sometimes work on these subjects through uh, a much more conceptual lens. Uh, they might be like, for example, I'll give you an example of one um, artist that we worked with in an exhibition which was about uh, the global refugee crisis in 2000. The exhibition was in 2017, and the artist was an artist named Shimon Addy, who worked with a group of uh, Syrian refugees in Berlin to do a a, a video piece that where the 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 subjects themselves were playing, were in a casino playing roulette. And it was a very slow moving video um, with the, the subjects sort of, you know, playing roulette. And if you know what that means, it means if you lose in, in traditional it was like, you might not, uh, you might not survive. And we, we know that the, the troubles of, uh, taking the risks of fleeing um, is sometimes just as strong as the risks of staying in a, in a country. And so to, to talk about the topic um, of, of, of having to flee your country, but through a, a video, a dramatized video of these people playing roulette is an example of being able to discuss the subject through a, a, a visual lens of contemporary art. 
Um, and so a lot of what we do here at the museum is use artists who are who use photography as their platform. And then we use that to then, you know, showcase these new topics to whether it's students, the general public, everybody who comes through here, we hope that they gain a new perspective of the subject that they have probably been reading about, just like gun violence in the United States. But when you come to this show, um, you are, the, the current, um, when you come to the current American epidemic show that Karen has um, organized, you are put into the nine different projects that take you to places and make you think about the role of guns in childhood, the role of guns in the emotional attachment to it, the violence in school shootings, all these different areas, and it, it puts it together um, in, in, in ways that you haven't, um, necessarily, uh, considered before. Um, and it, and so it allows you, instead of reading about it in the newspaper, it allows you to visually have an impact on you, um, from a, a in a different conceptual way. I think that's a refreshing, uh, way to use that medium to kind of open it up to new, uh, ideas that I don't think come across in the same as, you know, the repeated headlines, because I know we've all seen so many headlines, they start to almost uh, be drowned out by the next one. So I think seeing an image might, many images put together like that might really, you know, open some people's eyes. Uh, Karen, as the chief curator, how do you go about uh, procuring the artists for these exhibits? Oh, well, you know, it happens in a variety of ways. We are out and about always looking at, you know, different exhibitions, traveling, meeting with artists, doing portfolio reviews. They contact us by sending us their books and pictures over email. So often it's just that um, either we start with a topic or we meet an artist whose project we just think is incredible. And then we build a show around that. Um, so once you kind of lock into a theme um, and this you know, the current show, I had two artists who are kind of the, were the foundation. Um, then it's sometimes just a strange mix. It's kind of an organic process of, you know, doing research online, but also asking other colleagues, asking the artists themselves if they know somebody. Um, and then you just hope that, you know, you get the right people to fill in the, the conceptual kind of points of view that you want to address. When, you know, you said you had two foundational artists for this, um, last exhibit. Could you tell us a little bit about their work and kind of how they approached you or how you approached them? Sure. Well, one of them was Zora Murph, whose project at No Point in Between is looking at the community of North Omaha, Nebraska, and specifically at kind of the long history of violence against Black people in the United States. So it was inspired by the 2014 shooting of Laquan McDonald by police officer Jason Van Dyke. Um, and it looks at um, really it's looking at the systemic reasons why unfortunately our society reaches a point where there is so much violence against people of color. So he has peppers kind of archival images of um, the victims of violence by authorities um, and people in power uh, throughout current images of North Omaha, uh, where he shows the landscapes and 
Um, sometimes the physical disruption that happens through things like freeways being built through a black neighborhood, for example, that um, you know separates people from services. Um, but then the important part of the project is that there are really big portraits of residents of North Omaha that are very beautiful and very hopeful. A father with a child, just people sitting um, and looking at Zora, which gives the project kind of an ultimate message of hope, which is really important. Because, of course, when we think about, you know, the gun issue in our country and the show is very, very difficult to go through. And there's even within Zora's project, of course, there's some really um, distressing imagery. But uh, for him, uh, I think it was very important that there is hope right at the end of this story and for our future as a country. The other foundational artist was Andres Gonzalez, who is looking at the most recent school shootings in the United States and how after those are the, the events that, you know, get the most attention from the media. And after they happen, it's almost everybody's kind of inspired to make change um, and expects change in legislation, but yet it almost never happens. Um, and also those shootings are the ones that, are really, you know, they are they account for the least amount of deaths and injuries, actually. You know, in this country, guns are really the most common cause of death by gun is suicide. Um, and to go back to your question about putting shows together and how you find artists, like in this case, I actually wasn't really successful in finding an artist who was dealing with suicide by firearm specifically. Um, that is addressed in a work by Felix Gonzalez Torres, who chronicled all of the deaths by firearm in this country in a one week period in 1989. Um, but it's, you know, not the first read of that work perhaps. So sometimes when you're, when you choose chosen a topic, it can be difficult to really um, make sure that you're addressing it in a balanced way and really reflecting the issue um, fairly. Sure. I, I didn't realize that. I mean, now that you say that it, does sound, uh, you know, it, it, I would never think that self-harm would be so pervasive in comparison, but, you know, that is probably a less thought about issue that, you know, that having so many firearms give people access to. And I think it goes hand in hand with some of the mental health issues that our, you know, society is facing as well with, you know, people, I think, hopefully becoming more conscious of, you know, the need to focus on mental health and trying to avoid the stigmas of, you know, the past where talking about mental health health issues uh, was seen somewhat as a weakness. But now I think, you know, perhaps hand in hand with that, we can go forward. Do you, do you guys have a, a vision for any upcoming exhibits after uh, February when this closes? Well, you know, we're, we're always, we do have obviously shows planned and we're always considering kind of what to do next. We have a really strong track record of taking on bold topics. Um, we did a show this earlier this year about female reproductive health and justice. And a couple of years ago, Natasha and I co-curated a show that took on a pollution problem on the Southeast side of Chicago, um, where we kind of took on big oil um, and commissioned artists to look at um, that area that was where in a neighborhood that was literally being poisoned by some of the waste from oil production um, on the southeast side of Chicago. Looking forward, um, you know, we have a show coming up by our curatorial fellow that's looking at um, the Black diaspora worldwide and called um, 
You Are Not the Lesser Part and the Beautiful Diaspora. So that will be a kind of joyful um, exploration of what it means to be a person of color in different countries all over the globe. And then we're going to do a collection show um, based on our good track record of um, being an educational institution. So we do a lot of teaching on a lot of different topics. So we'll have students come in who look at gender identity to architecture, to color photography, to landscape photography. So um, we already have kind of groups of images, our favorite images in the collection that are really rich um, and incite a lot of conversation kind of picked out. And so we're going to kind of divide up the collection along those topic lines and use some of our previous research to kind of share with the public the many different ways in which photographs can um, tell us about our world, like you were referring to earlier, um, seeing the picture of the man on the street that, you know, that we learn so much from photographs, we communicate so much from through photographs, we all send pictures over our texts, right? Um, pictures are becoming as common as words, as forms of communication in a way that they never were historically. Um, so we're really interested to see how that show is received. We think it will be very popular because everybody can relate to um, reading pictures and how, uh, yeah, how powerful they can be um, as a form of communication. Absolutely. And I think about this, it's somewhat funny, but I, I do mean it seriously. Like the way that uh, people my age tend to communicate through memes, I think there's something to that, that, that mix of the image with the text, it conveys so much more emotion than text uh, ever really does. I know that, you know, some stories can be powerful without them, but I think together it, it can be more impactful more quickly. So I, I definitely understand. Um, Natasha, I wanted to circle back to something that Karen said that I thought was interesting. You guys did a, a exhibit on pollution in the uh, in the city. Yes. So in uh, 2016, uh, Karen and I uh, worked with the um, the Natural Resource Defense Council as well as the Southeast Environmental Task Force. Um, were two nonprofits that we worked closely with in developing an exhibition where we commissioned um, seven artists to focus on the petroleum coke piles uh, that were forming on the uh, southeast um, side of Chicago. Um, and these were the petroleum coke is a byproduct of um, the oil refinery in Indiana. And so we had asked. Um, artists to kind of approach as activists, and we were working with with the different activism groups, the different lawyer groups, you know, yeah. who were trying to, um, you know, remove this the petroleum coke piles from from these neighborhoods, which were causing uh, many health issues and environmental catastrophe um, for this for this neighborhood. And the artists that we commissioned were video artists, were sculptors. Um, I say sculptors, and I you might say, wait a minute, you're a contemporary photography museum. Um, we often. Um, are very, very open about how we uh, define photography. Um, it's basically about the image or maybe the role of image in, in, in our society. And so 
there are many times where we also might not have a photograph in the artwork on view because it's just part of how it's been informed. Um, it might be informed by image making, uh, but but become a sculpture. So this exhibition had photography, sculpture, um, it had traditional portraiture of activists and their stories. Um, it also um, had these glass sculptures with the actual pollution in it. It had videos taking you, um, taking you all the way to China and up into uh, Canada and to Texas and the route um, of where where this uh, where the petroleum coke byproduct goes um, and so we did did a large investigation from seven very conceptual lenses to bring it back together um, and was it was very important to be working with our partners um, the Natural Resource Defense Council and the Southeast Environmental Task Force. Um, it was a great collaboration and powerful um, exhibition. Yeah, that's amazing. When you guys say contemporary, uh, you really mean contemporary. You guys touch on all, all the issues of our time, especially I studied environmental sciences in undergraduate. So I, when you said that, I perked up right away. So one thing I wanted to ask. Oh, go ahead. I just wanted to mention that that show, interestingly, you know, we called it Pet Coke Tracing Dirty Energy, which is really blatantly kind of calling out the oil industry. Um, it really, we took a position there that you normally a museum probably wouldn't take. Absolutely. But an important one to take, I think that especially now uh, environmental conversations need to be happening. So I, I did want to ask, uh, you guys mentioned that you're doing, you know, not only photography, but also, you know, exhibiting uh, sculpting, videography. And I've noticed that videography seems to be exploding right now. Have you guys seen a recent trend towards more video works as well? I'm not sure I'm noticing a new trend in it because I have to admit we have always shown video um, in in the museum, almost uh, almost every exhibition we have has uh, one, two, three video projects as part of it. So we have embraced video as contemporary image making um, for a very, very long time um, here. And we will continue to do that. So I'm not sure I'm noticing like a new trend in it in, in our curatorial practice. Um, although I think it's an important um, it's an important part of what we do here um, is 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 showing um, a lot of video. And there have been some exhibitions where it's a hundred percent video um, throughout the entire space. Oh wow, okay. Yep, I would and agree. I think, oh, go ahead. Um, I, I was just gonna say Karen, um, maybe Karen can uh, speak further on many of the shows she's worked on over the last de decade plus um, has been kind of about that relationship with photography and other mediums. So I just want to have Karen turn that over to Karen. <laughs> yeah, sure. No, I agree with Natasha that I don't think like, I mean, you know, we've been working with video for more than 20 years and in the art world, certainly like since the seventies, video has been a big part of contemporary art. But I, I do think we're, we feel that culturally, right. With like, back to the ease of communication, like, you know, my kids are watching TikTok and videos all the time and we're, you know, communicating through memes and so forth. So I do think there is, 
like more video and time-based um, digital experiences being shared for sure now. Um, yeah. And so Natasha was referring to a series of exhibitions. One of my first shows at the museum was called Audible Imagery, Sound and Photography, where I looked at artists who were working both with sound and photography and kind of the intersections between the two, which led um, into kind of a series of exploring photography's relationship to other mediums. So I did um, a show about photography's relationship to performance art. Um, we did one about painting and photography. Um, there was one um, about sculpture and photography and so on. So those have been um yeah, interesting shows that have allowed us to work with a lot of interdisciplinary artists and really explore the differences in kind of perceiving um, through the different modalities. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I did, I did want to shift gears and ask, I, we've talked a lot about professionally working with artists, but have you both had the opportunity to, you know, uh, take any pictures or do any uh, art for yourselves as of late? <laughs> I always joke that I'm retired. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, I was an artist for like half a second after graduating with my MFA. Um, but every once in a while, I take a really great iPhone picture and I think, oh, maybe this could be something. This could lead to something. <laughs> um, so personally, no, I don't really make art. I'm really happy just teaching art, thinking about art, writing about art, talking to artists, and experiencing art. Yeah, and I would say I'm a little bit the same the same way. I have such an appreciation for, um, for photography and such admiration for how artists use photography to communicate their, um, their artistic projects, their goals of what they want to communicate, that I, of course, take lots of pictures, but nothing that I would <laughs> consider um, uh, in the art, uh, in the art world. Although uh, my, my, my children are becoming very good photographers, and I think it's a little hard on them because I'm I'm very critical, you know. I always say, like, <laughs> I always tell him, you know, like when my when my son was young, you know, he took a picture of like a, a field and it was very pretty, and I thought, no, 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 that's that's too idealistic. Like you 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 cut out the telephone pole, which makes the picture. The whole picture <laughs> is because of that telephone pole is in that beautiful field, and he's like. Really? And anyway, so it's been very interesting to see um, what it means to um, look at photography critically, you know, and my poor kids who have to live with someone who is pushing, pushing them to use photography to, to communicate a little bit more, um, I don't know <laughs> the realities that are out there instead of maybe perhaps just the idealism <laughs> of the world that sometimes photography can cover up <laughs> the, uh, the dark side. So sure. no, I totally. And I think what's that's so interesting, Natasha, because like, don't you think that extends into like our audiences experience sometimes? <laughs> like, you know, a lot of people when they, 
choose to come to a photo museum um, and they read in a you know guidebook that we own Ansel Adams, they really do expect to come in and always see like framed beautiful prints on the wall of things like you know mountains and moons moon risings and so forth. So. And sometimes when they're confronted with, you know, lots of video and sculpture and pictures that aren't pretty or romanticized and sometimes are even confrontational, um, I think there is a part of um, our audience who sometimes is disappointed. Well, I'd like to think of our audience not necessarily being totally disappointed, but eye-opening experience. Like they never really thought that photography had that role. Um, they thought photography was there for beauty and, um, and now they're understanding like, oh, photography can really push me to think in, in different ways because I hadn't, had it never thought about this topic in an artistic way. I only thought about it because I read the newspaper mm-hmm. and didn't ever think I could think about this topic in such a, a way that I never, I, anyway. So I always think of that we're, that we do push our audience. We do. And I think that's the hallmark. I think we would both say that's kind of the hallmark of good art, right? When you kind of disrupt somebody's normal experience and, um, kind of get to them um, in a deep way, either intellectually, emotionally, um, and so forth, that that's where kind of we get excited um, as museum workers is when, you know, we do um, kind of share work that is challenging. If you were to speak to someone who's never uh, been to the museum before, what would you tell them to expect walking in? Um, I think I, I get that question a lot actually. And so, and I probably answer it differently every time. I mean, not, not from like in an interview, but like in reality, you know, people are like, what am I, what am I going to see there? And I actually, I think about the way my, my mom answers this question to some of her friends when she tells them what I do, she always says, it's not what you expect. <laughs> um, and you are going to, it's, it can sometimes be, it can sometimes be heavy and you will always come out gaining knowledge about something you did not know before. And there's usually not a pretty picture. no i like that and i mean this current exhibition actually i'm unable to use the words enjoy the exhibition when people come to visit because it isn't actually enjoyable um i think it can be greatly appreciated i think it's very moving i think it's very beautiful but it seems kind of like the wrong the wrong word right to use enjoy with a topic like this so I think there's a lot to gain, a lot to learn, a lot to think about, um, but it isn't always the pleasant picture. It's not to say we don't do shows with lighter content and more happy subjects. We do, um, but often um, and usually I would say they are critical and um, make you think twice about one thing or another. 
perhaps instead of uh, enjoy the show, it's I hope you learn something from the show. That's that's exactly what I've been saying to people. I hope. <laughs> I, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's a very uh, powerful exhibition. Um, so I, when people have left here, they, they, after you, they walk through the show, their mood is different, but they also feel slightly um, maybe empowered as well to, to, to do something. Karen, you mentioned that you guys have a collection show coming up next summer. Could you tell me a little bit more about that? Sure. Well, we have been collecting for almost 45 years, and we have over 16,000 objects in our collection. Um, and this show coming up is really meant to highlight um, our holdings as well as uh, the educating that we do. We use our collection very actively for tours and print viewings um, with students who come to visit. And we honor 100% of requests by students or teachers or individuals who want to see something from the collection. So that's a very special opportunity. Um, so there's a lot of dialogue that happens around the collection. We pull objects in and out of the vault all the time. I often say, you know, our, our collection is meant to be used and it's not risk-free. Uh, we think that, you know, artists make works to communicate with. So we really believe really strongly that if we're holding all of this work, we should use it as often as possible. And that there's tons of value in having a conversation about around an object in space and real time. Um, so we do a ton of teaching and this show will kind of um, take a very broad view of how photography communicates and the questions it can ask. When we do print viewings with students, we have a kind of a menu of topics that we offer to the teachers, ranging from you know, gender identity to landscape photography to architectural photography um, and so forth. So we're planning to kind of have different sections of the show that address various themes like that. Well, Natasha, Karen, it was wonderful meeting you and talking to you today. I look forward to checking well, out the museum. You. So to anyone out there that wants to learn more about the Museum of Contemporary Photography, their Instagram handle is at mocpshy, and they have links there to all of their other social medias. Natasha, Karen, thank you again so much, and have a wonderful rest of your day. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of Bridging Chicago, as produced by the SATC Solutions Center. Nothing contained in this podcast shall constitute financial, investment, legal, and or professional advice. No professional relationship of any kind is created between you and the podcast host or guest. You are urged to speak with your financial, investment, or legal advisors before making any investment or legal decisions. Furthermore, the opinions expressed in this podcast are not necessarily the opinions of SATC Solutions Center, SATC Law, or any of its employees. This podcast is created by the hosts and guests' individual capacities. All opinions on this podcast are or have been rendered based on specific facts under certain conditions and are subject to certain assumptions and may not and should not be used or relied upon for any other purpose, including but not limited to or use in or in connection with any investment purposes or legal proceeding. 